Time to bring in Pace Mannion, the former Ute, the former jazz man, jazz broadcaster in the pre-half and post for five years with Thurl Bailey and I, and now following his son Nico in the Arizona Wildcats all hey, around the Pac-12. And fellow Pison. Fellow Pison. <laughs> Don't leave that out, PJ. Absolutely not. Save the best for last. Hey, I'm <laughs> half Italian. My mother was a full-blood FBI, full-blooded Italian. <laughs> there you go. So, Pace, we want to have you on uh, to talk a little bit about uh, Kobe Bryant, your paths cross. You played professionally in Italy after you uh, played with the Jazz and a few other NBA teams. And you were there, and I, I have this memory, although I'm a little sketchy on the details, but I think at one point Nico, and I'm trying to do the math, but I'm pretty sure he's in elementary school. I don't know how old he was. But I think he wanted a jersey or shoes or something signed by Kobe, and you told him, and you could have set it up yourself if you really wanted to, but you wanted him to have to stand on his own feet, and you told him, talk basketball in Italian. That'll get his attention. Am I on? Am I? Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh... – Obviously, you and I were doing the show with Thurl, and uh, it was right after the Western Conference Finals. I think the Jazz had just lost the series, and it was game six. And as we finished the show, Nico wanted to hurry down to see if he could beat Kobe. And so we went down, and uh, you know, as Kobe came out, and uh, Nico just, I told him, if you want to get his attention, because there will probably be a few people down there, uh, just speak to him in Italian. And so he did, and you know, Kobe came over, and got on a knee and spent about, you know, seven, eight minutes chatting with Nico. It was, it was amazing because he was in a white suit. You know, here he is talking to Nico, who's just a young kid. You know, Nico just had a, just recently the Italian Sky Sports, which is, you know, the ESPN version of Europe, came out and did a, a special on Nico and filmed him. And I'd never heard Nico talk about it. But he, he said in the, in the interview, he said, yeah, that 10 minutes – has lasted a lifetime. Really? So it was obviously something that you know, touched him. And and he was, if you've ever heard Nico talk, it's always, you know, the, the greatest player to ever live is Kobe Bryant. It's always been his idol. And, uh, so it's been, a, it's been emotional, to say the least. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, in trying to prepare to get as much uh, information as I could, I'm looking at all sorts of stuff, and I'm looking at the Los Angeles Times, and I saw on Sunday night on their website, they had a writer post a story with a byline of Rome and uh, talking about how big he was. Now, you have extensive background in Italy. Could you explain to us just how big Kobe Bryant was in Italy and what he meant to the folks and the basketball fans that are Italian from Italy? He... uh you know, when I was playing over there, it was funny because, you know, I was playing against Joe, his father. So you'd get to the, you know, he was playing in Regimilia and he played in Pistoia. But you'd go to play those teams and Kobe had to be, doing the math, around 12, 13 years old at the time. Um, and you're watching him, you know, before game shoot. And in Italy, it's back then, I'm sure it's now. I doubt it has changed much, but at halftime everybody would leave the arena because a lot of those, you know, a lot of Italians smoked. So they'd go out and smoke. At least some of them were courteous to get out. Some of them sat there and smoked in the arena. But um, whenever Kobe was there, nobody left the arena because Kobe would go out on the court at halftime. Because in Italy, it's not like in the NBA. There's not a halftime show. There's there's nothing going on. Um, 
And, and Kobe would go out and shoot, and all these people would stay in their seats to watch this 12-year-old shoot. And I remember watching him, and obviously at 12, you're not thinking this kid's going to be, you know, who he turned out to be. But you're thinking, he's skilled. He was inquisitive. He asked questions. He was. But if you watched him during a game, if you ever had a chance to sit and see him, he wasn't your normal 12-year-old. He was, he was serious at all. He was watching to learn. He wasn't just watching to be entertained. And he was, you know, that's what you saw in him at a young age. Then you watch him, you know, six years later be, be drafted and, you know, grow through what he went through and, and, uh, and become you know, Kobe Bryant that we, that we knew. So you have stood on, on both sides of cameras and microphones. You've asked questions and you've answered questions. So it gives you kind of a whole perspective to the whole give and take and, and how that goes on. Can you imagine being Kobe and on the receiving end of all the cameras, microphones, and recorders that he was on the end of? No. No. You know, I can't. Times have changed so much with, with the social media side, too, what he had to go through was wherever he was, there was always a camera, whether it was a phone, whether it was a journalist, whether a reporter who just wanted to get a word. He was, he constantly had to be aware of his surroundings and what he was saying and um, how he handled himself. And, and I can't even imagine that. I cannot, you know, I, I mean, I'm such a small fish compared to something like that, that, you know, in Salt Lake, you know, you're known. People know who you are, but you can usually walk around not be bothered. Even Thurl, as well known as he is there, he can maneuver without being harassed too much. But I can't imagine what it would have been like for somebody like Kobe Bryant, wherever he got off a plane. You know, there were crowds. Uh, it, it has to be. It has to be difficult. It has to be very difficult. You know, for for guys like that, and I can't even imagine it. It, it would be rough. So do native Italians, do they claim Kobe in the way they would claim your son and uh, Gallinari or whoever else, uh, Molinari well, Kobe, in golf? Kobe was never, he was never Italian. I mean, he was there and he was, and they loved him. You know, he did commercials. You know, he's very well known for his Nutella commercials over there. Um, and his Italian is, is better than most of the Italians. He speaks perfect Italian. Um, and he, you know, he spoke I think about five or six languages, if I remember right. Um, so, but they they love him as one of their own, even though he wasn't. Obviously, you know he went back there. He spent time in Italy, and uh, and, he, and people could get to know him because of the language. You know, he could actually sit and answer and talk to people in in Italian and in their in their native tongue, and it was great for them because they got to really get a chance to know him and who he was. And I'm sure they they claim him as as one of their own, even though he's by no means Italian. So, but he spent time there. His dad spent time there. They were very well loved as a family. And, you know, Kobe, you know, while he was there, obviously made a dent in, in, uh, in the lives of a lot of people. So he's got a lot of basketball accomplishments on the court. As somebody who played in the NBA, you got a basketball moment or accomplishment that stands out in your mind? Of mine? Or when, his. when you think back on his career, from your perspective oh. as an NBA player, and maybe it's something he did in one regular season game, maybe it's one of the championships, maybe it's something else, I don't know, something that impressed you, that you, you recall. You know, I think the, I think the one thing that, about his career that you can't deny is his, his competitive nature. You know, the one thing that has always stood out to me, and the one 
that I, I, I always go back to when I think of Kobe is here's a guy who blew his Achilles, went to the bench for a timeout, and limped back out on the court to make two free throws to tie a game. You know, I think they were down 107 to 109. And he comes out and makes two free throws and then limps back off. There's not anybody that comes to mind that I can think of that would have done that except for him. You watch, you watch guys now, and that's a, you know, it's an injury that you, nobody ever wants to have, but you have that injury, and guys go straight to the floor and are, are lifted off the court and carried off. And here's Kobe who walked off and walked back on it to shoot his free throws. To me, that was just a, it, it just showed me the mentality that he had to be, I'm, I'm the ultimate competitor. You know, um, this is what I do. And I think the sad thing is, is you've seen him grow into a, you know, he'd gone on to that second part of his life where I think he was just as happy or happier doing what he was doing with his daughter and traveling and spending time with his family, but getting back into basketball in a world he probably hadn't planned on. But I think she brought him back to the game and he was getting to coach and do all the things he wanted to do and having a ball doing it because that's all you saw him him doing was with her and practice and games and you know he came here to Arizona and had his team practice at the there's a home about you know two or three miles from my house that has an indoor hoop basketball court in it and he took his team to practice there obviously for the privacy but you know that's what he was doing he was traveling with his with this you know basically an AAU team coaching and, and spending time with all these girls and teaching them the game of basketball and I thought it was you know to see him do that and and see how happy he was. It's just tough to know that, you know, that second part of his life he's not going to get to fulfill. Certainly, as obviously Pace well said. Do you have you seen a common component in all your years as a keen observer and a player at the highest levels? Have you seen a common component that all the great ones have? When you say that competitive nature, what exactly does that mean? Well. That's a million-dollar question. I think a lot of people would like to figure out. In my opinion, and that's you know just me looking at it. You know, one, I think some guys are just born with a certain DNA um, that not a lot of people have. Mentally, you have to be to go through a lot of trials and tribulations and, and still have the desire to become great. I mean, we all saw Kobe shoot four or five air balls in Utah. How many guys come back from that on you know on a, on a national or international stage like the NBA Finals how, or, or or Western Conference? How do you come out back from that as a player? You know, as a young player. Um, and then I think the other thing is the the attention to detail that people aren't willing to do. Good players are good and not great because of detail work. You know, at some point in your career, and I've I've said this to many kids and. You know, as you get better, you know, when you become really good and you're a five-star high school player, the improvements you make now are incremental. There's not going to be that big jump that there was from, you know, when you were 14 to 16 or 16 to 18. When you're 18 years old, you can become better, but now it's just the details and getting better at what you're already good at. And there aren't a lot of people that are willing to put in the time or the effort on the detail work. And if you listen to people talk about Kobe and they talk about him going to the gym and, and working out for hours at a time, but going to the right elbow and spending two hours or three hours at the right elbow 
working on a, 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 a jab step and into a jump shot and talking about, okay, if I jab in the middle of my defender's legs, he'll do one thing. If I jab to the right, he does another. What do his hands do when I do both of those moves? Where am I going to be able to create my shot better? Those, and, and people don't understand that that was the details he did to become who he was because he knew in the triangle offense, I'm going to get the majority of my shots right here at the elbow, I'm going to get him on the block, and I'm going to get him behind the three-point line when I'm in transition. So those things he worked on, but you, you hear the stories from trainers that were at USA Basketball. Buddy Heald said, I went to work out with Kobe at 6 in the morning. I got there at 5.30. I didn't want to be late. And Kobe was already sweating. He was already there working out. He said, we worked out for two hours at the elbow on one move. He got a drink of water. We went to the other end. We worked on the other elbow for two more hours <laughs> at one move. I left. Kobe remained to continue his workout. You don't hear that about good players. You only hear that about great players. And that's the part that I don't think anybody gets or wants to get because it's just too much work. You have to be myopic in, in that one area of, of your life. And that's what's so sad. I think Kobe was so intense in that part that it might have left out some of the family stuff, which is normal, I think, for, for some of the athletes. But now that he got that chance to, to be home all the time, I think you could see, see who, who he was becoming. And that's yeah. just, uh, you know, it's... It's a, it's a tough loss in the family. I just can't imagine what right. they're going through. That's where the tragedy lies going forward. Pace, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and sharing the stories. Of course, guys. Have a good day.